Arg. Welcome to an hour of your life. I be Kim, and that be Steve. This is Steve. What be our topic this week? Pirates. Arg. All right, I'm not going to talk like that the whole time. Okay, no, we can't talk like pirates the whole time. <laughs> That'll hurt my voice. Welcome to an hour of your life. Today's topic is pirates. I'm super excited. This is a good show. We like this. This was a lot of fun to research this one. I, I would like to thank you because so this has been a really um, kind of a busy last few weeks for me with school. Uh, so Steve has been doing the bulk of our research, and I really, really appreciate it because he's definitely carrying the show right now. So thank you. I enjoyed it. I'm, I enjoy looking all this stuff up and learning about pirates. So have you ever been to Disney? A long time ago. Did you Actually, ever, it was not long ago. I did mean, you ride on Pirates of the Caribbean? We did ride on Pirates of the Caribbean. So um, an interesting thing that I read is Johnny Depp occasionally will like just go on to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Jack Sparrow costume and like be part of the scenery at Disney. I did not know that. Yeah, and he doesn't tell. Like, I mean, obviously Disney knows when he's going to do it, but the people on the ride, like he doesn't give any warning to his fans or anything. So you're just like randomly on the Pirates ride and there's Johnny Depp. Well, you know, we have a friend down in, was it Savannah? We'll call Uh it Mark. Mark. And Mark, if you've ever driven out to Tybee Island when they have their Pirate Week, yeah, there is a billboard up, yeah, and Mark's they have a billboard. They have featured Mark and his lovely bride Leslie on the billboard representing the Pirate Week of Tybee Island out there. They do a great job. Yeah, they are very. They look very authentic. They they put a lot of effort into and probably a lot of money <laughs> into their pirate costumes. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about pirates, but. As long as there have been seafarers, there have been pirates. But we're going to be talking about pirates of a specific time, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, we are. And we're going to be talking about one pirate in, in particular that we'll get to. Um, so the English word pirate comes from the Latin term, and, and I'm not a Latin scholar, so I'm going to do the best I can with this. The Latin term pura te vitia. That means pirate in Latin. It actually means sailor, corsair, or sea robber. That's what I said. It has the same root as, as the word peril. So I thought that was interesting. Do you like language? I do like language, and I thought that was interesting that pirate and peril have the same Latin root word. Uh, it first, the term pirate first appeared in the, in the English language about 1300, so it's an old term. It didn't really, uh, but it was spelled a lot of different kind of ways, and the spelling didn't really become standardized until the 18th century. So if you're interested in all that kind of stuff, there you go. If you're a language nerd like me. The classic era of piracy in the Caribbean, which is kind of what we think of when we think of pirates. We think of the Caribbean and and uh, well, there was sort also, of tropical climate. and. But there were also the pirates of the Barbary Coast, which was prior to this, mm-hmm. and Right now, there are pirates off the coast of Somalia. Somalia yeah, yeah, those are also, not fun pirates. Yeah, there's also been pirates over um, in off the in the waters of Southeast Asia. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like we said, there's as long as there's been seafarers, there have been pirates. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about this the classic era yeah, of of piracy, the pirates it, of the Caribbean. Yeah, it lasted from about 1650 until the mid 1720s. Um, and there's a lot of political uh, stuff that kind of goes along with piracy. By 1650, Arg. France, England, and the Dutch United Provinces began to develop their colonial empires. Uh, and so that involved considerable seaborne trade and, and just general economic improvement. There was a lot of money to be made or stolen, and much of it traveled by ship. So well, to, I mean, it had to back then. I mean, they were going to put on an airplane yeah, and fly it somewhere. Right. Uh, so backtrack a little bit between 1713 and 1714, there was a series of peace treaties signed, which ended the war of Spanish succession. So basically there had been a war going on for quite some time. Um, and 
it was ended in the early-ish, early to mid-1700s. By the end of the conflict, thousands of sailors, including Britain's paramilitary privateers, were relieved of military duty. So there had been a need for sailors who could defend um, their nation's borders against other sailors. And suddenly everybody in Europe is at peace and they're not, they're out of a job. So the result was a large number of trained idle sailors at a time when the cross Atlantic colonial shipping trade was really starting to boom. They had to find work somewhere. Yeah. So there was money to be made. So, and also Europeans uh, had kind of been pushed by unemployment to become soldiers and sailors and they were involved in slaving. So the slave trade was pretty well booming at this point, but I have to imagine that they, even though the mindset was different back then, a lot of the European slavers were not really keen on, on being slavers. Uh, So they were very enthusiastic to abandon that profession and turn to pirating instead. Um, So I, you know, save that what you will, as far as, ethics and so on and, and their morals even back then. But they apparently there was slaving was not a highly, highly thought of job. So it was very easy. There were a lot of pirate captains for many years who had a constant pool of trained European recruits uh, to in West African waters. So they were willing to sign on and, and go plunder and pillage. I so guess. what you're saying is probably most Europeans weren't into this, but there were people who were going to get into the slave trade for profit. Most Europeans were not into piracy or into slave trading. Into slave trading. Yeah, no. uh, It was one of those things that it was not a highly sought-after job. It was one of those things that if you couldn't find anything else, you could always get work on a slaver. Um, And so piracy was better than working on a slave ship, which I can understand. I mean, even aside from the cargo, you... uh, you're having to deal with human, a much more human waste and, and just the, the general care of other human beings compared to the work of a pirate. Now, something I do want to talk about a little bit is the, a pirate versus a privateer because there's a difference. So basically, a privateer is a pirate with papers. He uh, was sanctioned. Yeah, yeah, basically. So sometimes... Um, Pirates were given authorization from an, an actual government. Other times, outlaw pirates could operate with silent encouragement of a government, but without written legal authorization. And then, so that line between pirate and privateer was sometimes blurry. So if the government of whatever country needed money, they could authorize you to be a privateer. And basically, you're doing the same work, but with the full authority of your government. Yes, and you are probably being paid less, I would guess, than if you were a pirate, a for-profit pirate. A for- okay. um, and also, being a privateer is only legal in relation to the countries that you have papers for. So if you were a French privateer and you... England wasn't buying it. Yeah. So you were only, like, if England caught you... They weren't... They, you were out of luck. Y- your papers meant nothing in England or in Spain. Yep. Also, uh, I want to address the term buccaneer, which is usually another... T- people think of that as a term for pirates. It's basically the French Cajun slang term for privateer. All so right. there you go. All righty. So, in the 18th century, shipping traffic between Africa, the Caribbean, and Europe began to soar. Uh, and so, basically, that model was known as triangular trade. Um, between Africa, the Caribbean, Europe. It was a really big target for piracy. Sounds like the Bermuda Triangle to me. Uh, Yeah. Trade ships sailed from Europe to the African coast, and they would trade goods and weapons in exchange for slaves, and then the traders would sail to the Caribbean to sell the slaves and return to Europe with stuff like sugar, tobacco, and cocoa. And it was, you know, in that triangle from... Europe to Africa to the Caribbean, then back to Europe, that's where the pirates hung out, and they would sack the slave ships. Now, you say Caribbean. Some people say Caribbean. I say both, actually. Okay. Uh, I also say pop and soda. 
Anyway, another triangular trade had ships that would carry raw materials, preserved cod, and rum to Europe, where a portion of the cargo would be sold for manufactured goods, which were transported to the Caribbean Caribbean, along with the remainder of the original load, and then they were exchanged for sugar and molasses, which were taken to New England. And then ships in the triangular trade made money at each stop. So a lot of what the pirates were getting was the money from the trade because they were sold. uh, Whatever came to the Caribbean from Europe was sold there in the Caribbean and there was money on board the ship. Uh, And then it went from the Caribbean to Africa or to Europe or wherever. So there was money at each place. And so the pirates would take that. Plus they could also take the goods, rum, sugar, whatever. And I guess they could sell that on their own if they wanted to. Now, as part of the peace settlement of the War of the Spanish Succession, uh, Britain obtained the Asiento, a Spanish government contract to supply slaves to Spain's New World colonies, which provided British traders and smugglers more access to the traditionally closed Spanish markets in America. So that arrangement contributed heavily to the spread of piracy across the Western Atlantic. So it was it was a prime time to make some money. Some illicit money. Illicit money. Yeah. Well, sort of illicit. If you were a privateer, not so illicit. That's that's absolutely true. Shipping to the colonies was also booming uh, with a flood of skilled mariners after the war. Merchant shippers used the surplus of sailors' labor to drive the wages down. They cut corners to maximize their profits, and they made unsavory conditions aboard their vessels because they were just all about making money and... So merchant sailors suffered from mortality rates as high or higher than the slaves that they transported, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I've never read that. I didn't know that either. Living conditions were so poor that many sailors began to prefer freer existence as a pirate. So this is why when you said that, um, you know, this is why people didn't want to be slavers because the slave trade was all about profit not only at the cost of the slaves, obviously, but also in, at the cost of the, the seamen who were dealing with the slaves. And the people who were paying them to be slave traders mm-hmm. obviously weren't paying them. No, they were paying them as... It was basically the equivalent of minimum wage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and, and they didn't care about the conditions on board the ship that their crew were living in. So it was, it was not a fun time. This increased volume of shipping traffic could also sustain a large body of pirates preying upon them. The most infamous pirates of the Caribbean in the time were Calico Jack Rackham and I've heard about him and Bartholomew Roberts. And most of those pirates were eventually hunted down by the Royal Navy and killed or captured. Several battles were also fought between pirates and colonial powers on both land and sea. And another famous pirate during this time was a guy by the name of Edward Teach. Blackbeard. We're going to be talking about him this episode. So one of the most famous pirates of all time. Uh, we're gonna, Steve's going to tell you a little bit about Blackbeard in a minute. But first of all, what's the best part of being a pirate? The booty. The booty. So choosing the right ship to target was the best way in which a pirate captain could keep his crew happy and avoid mutiny, right? You don't want to... You got to keep the guys happy somehow. Right. You don't want to sack a ship that's full of, of sugar and no rum, no gold, no nothing. Like, they they yeah, are why, just starting out. Why put all that risk in it if there's no profit, there's no booty to be made? Yeah, so... No, it, no plunder. <laughs> attacking the wrong ship could end in capture and or death for the crew, but failing to attack a promising ship could lead to the crew... Mutinying. So that put a lot of pressure on the captain right there. A little bit, yeah. So the key was balance between so caution wonder, and exuberance. So I wonder how the captain, though, like if he measured, like if the, the ship sat low in the water, he knew it was full, I of, would imagine, full of bounty and plunder. Maybe. Or I would imagine that they probably had uh, sort of pirate spies in the islands. Probably so. That were keeping an eye on the ship and seeing what was loaded up and what came on and off. Assuming they were successful, the loot would have to be distributed equally. I want my fair share. 
as the pirate code said, there was actually a pirate code. The pirate code. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was easy enough to do with saleable goods like cloth or spice or sugar or even livestock and food. But it was a little more challenging when it came to coins, gold, and jewels. So in the case of gold and silver coins, there actually has been evidence that coins were simply cut into smaller pieces. So these guys were pretty hardcore. It's like, yeah, you know, like I, I want what's mine. I mean, I've seen kids like you, you measure out the milk and it's like, nah, he got more than yeah. me. So you have to put like an extra quarter uh, of an inch in the tell glass. Tell me about it. So the pirates are. Yeah, they're human, like little kids. Human nature is about the same, whether they're, you're a pirate or a toddler. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, there's a common myth that once the pirates had their earnings, they buried the loot for future use, but by and large, that was untrue. There's been a few examples of such behavior, most notably Captain Kidd, but it was far from common because why bury it when you can spend it now? Um, most pirates lived hand I, to mouth. I kind of got the the feeling that pirates live for the moment right then. They really do. Yeah. And most of them lived hand to mouth. Now, my, uh, also, too, when you're spending months out at sea... When fleet's in, it's living's good. So just like, you know, just, just like, like now, today. just like sailors today, fleet's in, most of the pirates earning go very quickly on women, wine, and song. <laughs> okay. I, I know a few people have been the Navy, and we don't want to stereotype the Navy, hmm. but these are pretty close to true <laughs> stories that I've heard. So, yep. So there's the history of piracy. Now, we mentioned Blackbeard. Probably, I would venture to say Blackbeard and Captain Kidd are two of the most famous pirates ever. From from everything that I've read, I mean, people have heard, but all the stereotypes of pirates come from the most famous pirate of all, who was Blackbeard. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when we think of Pirates of the Caribbean, it's inspired by... By Blackbeard and his legend. Now, Blackbeard's real name is uncertain, although it's probably a variation of Edward Thatch or Teach. Now, there's a lot of different spellings that this can get into, but despite his legendary reputation, little is really known about the early life of Blackbeard. And and for this podcast, I'm going to call him Blackboard. Every now and then I may mention... Blackbeard? What, I say Blackboard? Mm-hmm. Okay. Blackbeard. I have to work with Blackboard in my in my day job. Every I'm day. guessing that might be a thing that happens too more than once. So I'm just not even going to correct you. Yeah, if Steve okay, says so Blackboard, that, he means Blackbeard. Yeah. So, but I'm going to say Blackbeard more than I'm going to say Teach. Because, Eddie Teach. Yeah. I. It, you know what? It actually doesn't surprise me that there's not a lot known about his early life because why would there be? Yeah. I, he probably. You know, he probably didn't come, I would imagine probably came from humble beginnings. And it's not like we're talking Maybe. about. Oh, all right. Maybe. Uh, don't, don't assume because there is evidence that he was well-read and well-educated because of notes and things that he left that his, his writing was up to snuff, up to par. It wasn't like, okay, an, uneduc- it wasn't like an uneducated pirate because he... Parlay well, and, and did he was like that. he was the captain. He wasn't a crew member, so I would imagine that yeah, he probably did have some education yeah. to be a captain. Yeah. But at the same time, he's still a pipe. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm badly stereotyping right now. Yeah, you are. But <laughs> but as all that aside, why would there be? I mean, unless he was the son of somebody famous or extremely wealthy, then there would really be no need to document his early life. No, but. Like I said, the things that I've read said that he was probably well-educated, come from good stock mm. back in the old country because, like I said, there is evidence of his writing and who he talked with and the bargains and the things he made. There, there was written evidence what he did. Yeah. All right. But Blackbeard was really shrewd and a calculating leader who actually he spurned the use of violence. He relied heavily on his fearsome his image to get the response that he wanted from the people that he was pirating from. Now, he's described as a tall man with a very black beard, which he wore very, very long. Now, most accounts say that his thick black beard was braided into pigtails. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes he would tie small little colored ribbons or bows 
into his beard, right. which doesn't sound too fierce to me, but it, that's what he did. I guess if you've been out at sea <laughs> you and you bored. saw this guy out there and, okay. So a gentleman named Johnson in 1724 described him like this, and this is a quote, such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of a fury from hell to look more frightful. Oh. Yeah. Description may have been spot on if it was exaggerated. It's really not known. But there's quite a few description of Blackbeard that pretty much describe this. The same general piratey looking guy that we imagine him to be. Other descriptions describe Blackbeard as tall with very broad shoulders. He wore knee-length boots, a dark, dark clothing topped with a white hat, and sometimes a long coat of brightly colored silk or velvet. Now, it is said that in battle, he would wear a sling over his shoulder with three brace of pistol hanging in holsters like bandoliers. Hmm. This is what I think is pretty incredible right here. To get that image that he was looking for, he would put basically lighted matches or fuse or whatever under his hat, and he would light this, and that would make him look even more fearsome to his enemies. So, I mean, if you I see this, you, this huge guy coming at you on a ship and you look over there and it looks like his head's on fire. Yeah. He's getting the intimidation that he wants to get. So, and it's interesting too, as you're talking, I'm Googling images of Blackbeard and obviously there's no real photos or anything of him, but in all of the images, that that's true. Like there's a lot of, generally it's, uh, pictures of guys who look very, very fierce with smoke coming from around their face, like their ears in their head and multiple beard braids with ribbons tied on the end. Well, by all accounts, it's pretty clear that Blackbeard really understood the value of his appearance and how to intimidate. Even his flag had <laughs> depicted a heart dripping blood and a skeleton holding an hourglass and a spear. The flag, much like Blackbeard's personal image, was solely designed to intimidate. So he was all about intimidate, intimidate, fear. His, I think his motto was, it's better to strike fear into the heart of one's enemies than rely on bluster alone. And that may be a direct quote from Blackbeard at some point right there. His flag also is really interesting because the it's like a demon looking thing. It's not just a regular skeleton. It's like a it's like a like a little demon looking guy. Yeah, but despite all this image and what he's trying to portray about himself, there are no verified accounts of his ever having murdered or harmed someone he held in captive. Huh. So obviously if they're shooting cannons there are people going to die, but yeah. the whole thing was board the ship, grab the bounty, the loot, the booty, whatever you want to call it. And take the crew. And yeah. there's going to be times where he's going to take the whole ship. But there is absolutely no evidence that once he captured somebody that he he murdered them or tortured them or anything like that. It's like, hey, I got gotcha. you. I wonder if he... Because oh, the other image that I think of when I think of pirates capturing crews is that they convert them to their crew and they make them pirates. In cases. Oh, sometimes. Okay. So, like, this whole thing with Blackbeard. So, we, we picked up a term today. Well, I mean, we didn't pick it up, but it's out there. And I ask you, what is really the definition of gaslighting? So, is Blackbeard gaslighting right now? Possibly. But I don't know. Maybe. Because gaslighting, an element of gaslighting is making the person that you're trying to gaslight think that they are crazy. So I, yeah, maybe the, I would think probably the, the hair on fire thing. <laughs> like if you saw somebody coming towards you with their hair on fire and it doesn't seem to phase them, then yeah, I would, I would think I was a little. So, yeah. And in, in military terms, we would say he was practicing deception or maybe a ruse, whatever it was, it worked. Just think today, if Blackbeard would have had social media, how much he would play himself up. Oh gosh. You know, the Blackbeard... Twitter account, can you imagine? Blackbeard on Twitter or something oh, like that, or his, his Facebook page. I mean, just think, though, I bet how, you how if, the media would have played up to the hysteria about all this stuff with his reputation. I bet you if Blackbeard was alive today, he would have a grill. <laughs> like the fake, the fake gold teeth. 
yeah, that people put so. in, I bet he would have them. And I bet they would be like pointy, like fangs. <laughs> even, but even after he was died, but you'll learn a little bit later, after he was killed, his death was romanticized and it's been made into movies, rides at Disney. Like I said, when we think of a pirate, you think of Blackbeard. I bet you Blackbeard would be pretty mad about that though. That you Maybe ride not. through Pirates of the Caribbean. That is not the image that he he does not want to be in Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, regardless, he became the inspiration for what we think a pirate today. I mean, how we think a pirate looks yeah. like when we think of it, we think of Blackbeard. So it is reported that he served as a privateer during Queen Anne's War from about 1701 to 1714. Mm-hmm. So he, he was doing that. He was pirating. He was legally pirating. It was all legal, yeah. and he was doing it. At least it was legal for Queen Anne. <laughs> he turned to piracy sometime after the war's conclusion. Like I said earlier, we don't know much about Blackbeard's early life, but by all accounts, from when we know he was killed... We think he was somewhere between 35 and 40 years old. That means he would have been born sometime around 1680. That's, I feel like that's awfully young to be that successful. But I guess lifespans back then were not. Yeah, especially if you're long. a pirate. Yeah. Okay. That's true. So contemporary records list his name is, Blackbeard's name is, like you said, Edward Thatch, or Edward Teach. Now, that is the most common, Teach. Edward Teach, in most of the records, that is how he's referred to. Mm -hmm. There are several spellings of his last name from Thatch, just like it sounds, or Thack, T-H-A-C-H, to Thatch, T-H-A-C-H-E, Thack, Tack, Thatch, or Thich. One source that I came across as I was reading and looking up and learning about Blackbeard claims his name was Drummond, but I couldn't find any other accounts. That's of the, way off. Yeah, I couldn't find any other accounts, any other sources that mention that, so I'm going to just kind of throw that one out there. But, it, you know, it wasn't uncommon for pirates to use fictitious names while they're out doing their piratey business. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, because you didn't want to tarnish your family name, and that kind of goes back to he may have had Which makes come me- from family back in England, and he didn't want him to know his name was... Smith or, yeah. you know, maybe that's where the Drummond thing came in. Maybe, maybe that his, was his name. Yeah, and, and there was, yeah. So yeah, maybe interesting. And, and he didn't want to tie that. I wonder though if he was from a a decent family, what would make him turn to piracy or even privateering? Because even privateering, booty, loot, money. I mean, if his family has money already. Yeah, or maybe he just much, was an adventurous soul. Maybe yeah, he just, and maybe you know some guys like the sea. They want to go out and they want to go to the sea. And, and you know he wanted you're to kind of like that. You he, like being on the water. Not like that. I mean, I don't think that you would turn to piracy, but you like being out on the water. It comforts you and it. Yeah, but not for months <laughs> at a time. That's yeah, why that's I was true. in the army. Okay, <laughs> I want to keep my feet on the ground as much as possible. But going back to that, pirates seldom use the real names, and this. That's established. It's well known. It's really unlikely that we'll ever know what his real name was. Mm-hmm. But they do know, well, they, it is said that he had as many as 14 wives. Oh. Yeah. All at the same time? I don't know. Most of them were common law wives, uh. but documentation is lacking on this. His yes, left, you think? Yeah. His left, last wife was a lady called Mary Orman of Bath, North Carolina, Stories say that they weren't married very long, probably because he died mm. or was killed very shortly after that. But there is a painting of him in the Van Der Veer house, uh, painted approximately 1790, what's the right word, circa 1790, mm-hmm. in Bath, North Carolina. Did, did he have any children that we know of? I don't know. Nothing I read suggested any children. I'm guessing, yes, they're probably illegitimate. and Probably so. And we'll that's never what pirates, know. Because that's what pirates did. Yep. Get that booty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, early in the 18th century, pirates used, they, they, were, they were in the Bahamas a lot, and there was an uninhabited island called New Providence, and that's in the Bahamas, and they used this as the base for their operations because it was within easy reach of the Florida Strait, which was just crowded with shipping and trade, mostly... European vessels crossing the Atlantic Ocean. So 
They were going through that area, like down through the Caribbean to the American, North American coast. Mm -hmm. And so this turned out to be a pretty good place to base your pirate headquarters at. Now, they specifically picked New Providence because the harbor at New Providence was big and it could easily accommodate hundreds of ships. But the water around New Providence was too shallow for the big Royal Navy's vessels to navigate in. So they, it was basically pirate heaven right there. They could go. It was a safe port for them. The big ships couldn't come in and shoot them with a lot of cannons because they just couldn't get to them. Do you know, was there a lot of competition between pirate captains as far as, um, I guess, like sacking vessels? Like, I don't know. I think it was pretty much... Because it seems like if they all have the same base... Then but they would go out to different parts. I yeah, mean, it's I a guess. big ocean. Yeah, I guess that's and true. And I, I think it was, you know, under their pirate code, I'm assuming yeah. it was, I saw the ship first, that's mine. Right. And so I'm, I think I'm betting that is pirate code. Thinking of like the that sh- a show, what's it called, Wicked Tuna, where all the guys are yeah. out of the same, the same town, but they all go off to different parts. Yeah, it's and they it's all a fish big different ocean. Waters. Now, there's a guy named George Woodbury who's an author, and he described New Providence like this. No city of homes. It was a place of temporary sojourn and refreshment for a literally floating population. Continuing on, he said, the only permanent residents were the piratical camp followers, the traders, and the hangers-on. All others were transient. This sounds like a party. It basically was. (laughs) Okay, so in New Providence, pirates were found. They were found there because it was safe from the law. There was no law. England couldn't get in there. The big ships couldn't get in, so it was a safe place for them. Now, I did say there are no known accounts of him harming any of his captives. However, there are a lot of legends of him committing acts of cruelty and terror. It's legend. Nothing's documented. One, One tale says... He shot his own first mate saying, if he didn't shoot one or two of his crewmen now and then, then they would forget who he was. I He would be all over Twitter. Yeah. He, yeah. I, Nowadays Blackbeard you could get away a, with it. No, he would, no, he would totally get away with it because he's Blackbeard. I bet you he was his own best hype man. Yeah. Well, another legend says that after having a little too much to drink, he told his crew, come, let us make a hell of our own and try... How long we can bear it? Going into the ship's hold, they closed the hatches, filled with several pots of brimstone, and set it on fire. Soon the men were coughing and gasping from air from the sulfurous fumes that were coming out, you know, trapped in the hold. All except Blackbeard, who scrambled out for fresh air. Blackbeard emerged. He snarled, damn ye, yellow, whatever. (laughs) I'm a better man than all of you milksops put together. Milksops. Now... I don't think he would actually endanger his no, ship. No, because it costs money to build yeah. a ship and buy a crew. But Maybe just put the smoke pots down there. But if you've had a little too much to drink. Yeah, who knows? I guess it's possible. I mean, they were capturing a lot of rum, I guess. It gets you on? every time. According to Captain Charles Johnson's A General History of the Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates, before he sailed upon his adventures... He married a young creature of about 16 years of age. A young creature. A young creature. (laughs) Well, I guess that's how they wrote back in the day. I guess. And this, I have been informed, made Teach's 14th wife, with whom, after he had lain all night, it was as was in his custom to invite five or six of his brutal companions (gasps) to come ashore and would enforce her to prostitute herself to them. No. One after another before his face. Ugh. Yeah. So, legend, Ooh. don't know if it's true. I, I kind of doubt it. That's I, harsh. I, yeah, that, that's kind of harsh. And that doesn't fit in with his so, other character of not murdering anybody. I mean, you don't, yeah. you just don't, I don't think. I, you know what, though? I don't want to think that, I guess. Yeah, I bet. So, the I don't know. Maybe that was started by somebody who was enamored of, of the 16-year-old creature and jealous. Maybe. Um, but some of those things I could honestly see, I, just going by the stereotype of a pirate, I could honestly see Blackbeard m- making up some of those legends himself. 
just to... Like I said, his own this, best hype man. Yeah, and, you know, maybe he did. Maybe he put, you know, the sulfur down there and, and lit it on fire to just to prove how tough he was. Could be. Maybe. I don't know. Makes me wonder, was he bullied as a kid? And he needs to, like, prove his manliness? No, I think he was just a very uh, competitive businessman right hmm. here. All right, then. Yeah. So, in pursuit of a famous pirate... A North Carolina-based uh, maritime archaeologist and historian, David Moore, spent considerable time tracing the history of Blackbeard. The earliest document Moore located that mentions Blackbeard by name dates back to the summer of 1717. Other records indicate that by the fall of 1717, Blackbeard was operating off Delaware and Chesapeake Bay. So hmm. he was coming up the North American coast. He was pretty far north. Yeah. Well, that's where the, the trade was. And I'm, I'll cover that because he, he makes it to Charleston here a little bit and does yeah, something I always, really big and bold in Charleston. I always picture like off the coast of Florida, like you kind of said earlier. So I didn't realize that pirates came that far north. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in conjunction with two other pirate captains, Benjamin Hornigold and Steed Bonnet, B-O-N-N-E-T, Bonnet. It's probably Bonnet. Probably or Bonnet, yeah. Bonnet, Bonnet, Steed. Blackbeard served as an apprentice under Horngold before becoming a pirate of his own. So let's go back here and it's kind of, we're going to start tracing now exactly. We, we've covered a little bit about Blackbeard, his legend. Now we're going to cover his pirate days. Like his pirate lineage? Yes. Cool. So he served as an apprentice under Horngold before becoming a pirate. Late in the fall of 1717, the pirates made their way to the Eastern Caribbean. Okay. Caribbean. Off the island of Martinique, Blackbeard and his crew captured a French slave ship called the La, Con the La Concorde. He liked the La Concorde so much that he kept it and he made it his own flagship, but he renamed it to the Queen Anne's Revenge. Mm, now, remember, he it was... It is a famous ship. Yeah. And he... What war was he in? Queen Anne's Queen War. Queen Anne's War. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, he... Named it Queen Anne's Revenge. So I think that could give us a little telltale of what's going on in his mind right here. Uh, he was he so he was he liked Queen Anne. Yeah. If you're a pirate, you're going to do piratey things. So that's why he took this ship because he could. He was a pirate. <laughs> I like this. It's mine now. The story goes that after crossing the Atlantic during its third journey and only about a hundred miles from Martinique. The Lung Concord came across Blackbeard and his pirate fleet. Blackbeard and his pirates, they had two sloops, so two smaller ships. Okay. Uh, one with about 120 men and 12 cannons. The other sloop had 30 men and about eight cannons. The 120 men and 12 cannons is small? Yeah, compared to... Um, yeah, do we know how big the Queen Anne's Revenge was? It was... From what I read, it was about 200 tons and had 31 cannons. So it was Whoa. significantly larger than, than these two ships. Or, Holy cow. Yeah. Okay. So, well, and I guess that's something I never really think about either, is that pirates sometimes have fleets of ships. So the Queen Anne was his flagship, but he had at least two other ships yeah. that were a little smaller. Well, he had these two sloops. So... They, they attacked the, um, the Le Concorde, but the crew of the Le Concorde, they weren't doing so well after when they came across Blackbeard. They, the crew had already suffered 16 fatalities, and another 36 were seriously ill from scurvy and dysentery. Ugh. So the French were pretty much powerless to resist him attacking, even though his two ships were a lot smaller. They just didn't, the crew, the crew couldn't do it. Yeah, after the pirates fired two volleys, Captain Dosett surrendered the ship. The pirates took La Concorde to the island of Bequa in the Grenadines, where the French crew and the enslaved African cargo were put ashore. Again, he didn't torture them. Or he didn't do anything. He just marooned them on the island. So while the pirates searched for La Concorde, the cabin boy, Louis Erot, told them there was gold and dust aboard. Now, I can't imagine mm. why he did this. <laughs> Maybe he thought there was something in it for him. But the pirates then searched the French officers and the crew. They seized the gold. The cabin boy and three of his fellow French crewmen voluntarily joined the pirates. Uh-huh. Ten others were taken by force, including a pilot, three surgeons, two carpenters, two sailors, 
and the cook. So maybe Blackbeard wasn't happy with his cook, or maybe the cook was being overworked, but they took the cook with him. Blackbeard and his crew decided to keep the La Concorde and left the French the smaller of the two pirate ships. Oh, that was the, nice of him. Yeah, the sloops. See, see, he wasn't such a bad guy. That's why I don't think he was doing that yeah. with his wife. It's interesting, too. Uh, this bring, brings up another question in my mind. of If he just marooned the slaves, it's interesting that apparently he was not interested in selling slaves, maybe? No, he wasn't. So, like, the slaves that he he took off of the ships and stuff, he just left them. He wasn't trying to make money off of them. Well, anyway, the French gave their new and much smaller ship a new name. And whatever it is in French, it translates to bad encounter. (laughs) But the French didn't quit their mission. They kept right on with it. It took them two trips, but they succeeded in transporting the remaining Africans from Boquea to Martinique. So they did their job as they perceived what their job was. Well, good for them. So they left the island, Boquea, in late November, this Blackbeard now, with his new ship, and now they cruised the Caribbean. They took taking prizes, and he kept adding to his fleet. Blackbeard sailed north along the Lesser Antilles, Raiding ships near St. Vincent, St. Lucie, Nevis, and Antigua. By early December, he had ri- arrived off the eastern end of Puerto Rico. From there, a former captive reported that Blackbeard and his pirates sailed to Samana Bay in what that time was, well, it is still Hispaniola or the Dominican Republic. So remember, all this is now taking place in a period of about 18 months. In April 1718, Blackbeard was off the Turnif Islands in the Bay of Honduras. Here, Blackbeard captured the sloop Adventure. He forced the captain, David Harriet, to join him. So then they sailed east. The pirates passed near the Cayman Islands and captured another sloop, this time a Spanish one, off the coast of Cuba. So Blackbeard now has his little navy, and it's getting a little bit bigger as time goes, and he's kind of moving up north. So he started in the Bahamas, he went south, and now he's moving back up. Hmm. He sailed north through the Bahamas and headed toward the North American coast. In about May 1718, the pirates dropped anchor off Charleston, South Carolina. Now, he had four ships in his fleet at this time, the Queen Anne's Revenge and three smaller sloops. He must have been feeling pretty bold and empowered right now because he anchored off Charleston and he blockaded Charleston for nearly a week. Wow. Yeah. And Charleston was a pretty major port at the time. Yeah, it was. Wow. So he he, he blockaded it and he was doing his best to get as much bounty and booty and loot Jeez. as he possibly could off the coast of Charleston. So while he was off... Um, barricading, blockading Charleston, they seized several ships trying to enter and leave the port. They detained the crew and the passengers of one ship, the Crawley, and held them as prisoners for, um, for hostages. Now, Blackbeard sent a note ashore, and again, this goes back to where he's probably well-educated because he was writing notes and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he, he demanded for the ransom of this crew, the Crawley, he demanded a chest of medicine. Hmm. Once the chest was delivered, the captives were released, and the pirates continued their journey up the coast, up the North American coast. Not long after leaving Charleston, uh, Charleston, Blackbeard's fleet tried to enter Old Topsail Inlet in North Carolina, now known as Beaufort Inlet. During the, that attempt, Queen Anne's Revenge and the Sloop Adventure ran aground and were abandoned. Hmm. Now... Two eyewitness accounts of this that shed light on this said there were two pirate vessels were lost. According to the deposition given by David Harriet, the former captain of the adventure, said Thatcher's ship, Queen Anne's Revenge, ran aground off the bar of Topsail Inlet, so there was a sandbar out there. Okay. Harriet further states that the adventure was run aground likewise about gunshot from the said Thatch. Now... 
So Queen Anne's Revenge ran aground and then Adventurer ran aground too. And it was within shooting distance of About Queen gunshot. Anne's Revenge. Yeah. I guess I that's how, how they, far that is. I guess that's how they talked back in the day. That's how you measure things when you're a pirate is within gunshot range. Yeah. And how far, how far did your cannon shoot, I guess? So anyway, things keep going. Brand of the HMS Lane... Lime, I'm sorry, the HMS Lime, provided additional insight as to where the two ships were lost in a letter dated July 12th, 1718, to the Lord's Admiralty back in England. In that letter, Brand stated that on the 10th of June or thereabouts, a large pirate ship of 40 guns with three sloops and her company came upon the coast of North Carolina where they endured... Oh, this old English is really hard. <laughs> where they endeavored to go into a harbor called Top Sail Inlet. The ship stuck upon the bar at the entrance of the harbor and is lost, as is one of the sloops. Ellis, in his deposition, also says that Harriet claims that Blackbeard's intentionally grounded Queen Anne's revenge and the adventure in order to break up the pilots. pirates. Now, why would he do this? Blackbeard is pretty shrewd. So you have all this bounty and this loot. So by this time, Blackbeard and his little navy had approximately 300 pirates sailing with him. Wow. Yeah. So if he ran two of his ships aground, what's he get to do? Uh, Take control of one of the other ships? I don't know. Whether he did it on purpose or not, Blackbeard marooned some of his pirates and left Beaufort with a hand-picked crew and most of the plunder. Why would he Get do in that? A, no. So he doesn't have to split it. I don't... But then he doesn't get it. Yeah, he does. If I ran... If I have 300 people and I have a million dollars worth of loot and I run my ship aground and I leave half of you on the island and I take all the bounty and loot, now I only have to split it between 150 guys and not 300. So the guys on the island, he didn't leave them with anything? What a jerk. Yeah, he worked. He was a shrewd pirate, remember? Ugh. <laughs> so. that Not that, on Blackbeard's side anymore. <laughs> well, the hand-picked crew that he took with him probably were well, at this point. Yeah, they were probably sweating bullets when they got <laughs> run aground, and now they're like, whoo, we made it. So it says that Blackbeard marooned some pirates and left Beaufort with a hand-picked crew and most of the plunder. So if I run aground, maroon most of my 300 men, take my best friends with me, and I take all the plunder, that's less for me to share. I get what you're saying now. I thought that you meant that he had, when you, when you said that the first time that he, I thought you meant he left most of the plunder there. No, which you're didn't pirate. make sense. Yeah, I, did, no, I didn't he, understand. Okay, no, so he, he take, left with the plunder. He and took the a plunder. Okay, I got you now. We're, we're on the same page now. He's a business guy here. And it's still, it's still it's, shady. It's pr- he's a pirate. Yeah, I mean, they're not really, here, yeah, okay. they're, they're not really known for their ethics. Well, he must have been a pretty solid mathematician to figure all this I'm out. I'm sure, so, yeah. But all good things must come to an end. Oh, uh, poor Blackbeard. Blackbeard's pirate career came to an end about six months later at Ocracoke Inlet on the North Carolina coast. Karma gets you every time, Blackbeard. Yep. So... Piracy had become rampant in North Carolina mm-hmm. and up and down the coast right there. So this is in part to Blackbeard bribing the colonial governor of the time, a guy named Charles Eden, to ignore the criminal activities or the piracy that was going on. So maybe maybe uh, old Charles is getting some of the, the bounty here well, or whatever. It sounds like it. Yeah. So, well, yeah, it says because he, bribed he was, him. He was so, bribing yeah, him. He so, was... yeah. I'm going to turn that blind eye, Blackbeard. You go do what you got to do, but I want some of the some of the loot here, and you... so Cut me in. So he's basically a privateer again. And an, implicit, no. an implicit privateer. A.K.A. a pirate, because yeah. you're only a privateer if you had papers, and it sounds like he's not getting papers from this guy. He had the spoken word. That, not the same. Well, anyway... With commercial vessels using the Ocracoke Inlet to access the inland ports, Blackbeard and several other pirates found the coastal waterway like prime hunting grounds right here. There, there was lots of shipping, 
There was lots of bounty, and the, the hunting was good. But after putting up with Blackbeard shenanigans for about 18 months, the North Carolina residents and the merchant sailors begged Virginia's colonial governor, Alexander Spotswood, for some help. Yeah, because so, those bribes will only get you so far if your constituents aren't going to reelect you. Yeah, well, seek, well, is a different guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, they're asking for help because this guy's not doing anything to stop it. Yeah, well, he's getting some of Right, the, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So, but if if they're, you know, if he's an elected official... Maybe Spotswood's upset because he's not getting any of the bounty. Could be. Okay, so anyway, secretly, Spotswood arranged for Blackbeard to be ambushed. He even offered a bonus for Blackbeard's death. Ooh. So he got Royal Navy Lieutenant Robert Maynard to attack and ambush Blackbeard. Hmm. Yep. So Maynard is out sailing around in the waters, and he found Blackbeard in his fleet, which I guess now is down to two ships. Yeah. Two, two sloops. Yep. Ditch two. Yep. He, he found Blackbeard um, in Ocracoke Inlet on November 22nd, 1718. Maynard's two ships, the Jane and the Ranger, immediately fired upon Blackbeard and his crew, severely damaging the Ranger. When Jane began to take damage, Maynard ordered the crew to go below deck, and this deceived Blackbeard into thinking they had abandoned ship. So this was part of the plan. Mm, yep. Sneaky, sneaky. Yep. And so Blackbeard thought they abandoned ship. As crafty as he was, Blackbeard fell for this. He took the bait. He led a boarding party. I mean, he was a leader. He didn't just send the crew over. He did it. In, he went with them. He led the boarding party. But his men were surprised by Maynard's crew. Hmm. And they came out from under the deck, and they attacked Blackbeard. So I, I imagine he didn't go th- with 40 or 50 men. He probably just, you know, a small little dinghy and rode over and Handful. maybe five or six people. Yeah. Blackbeard, by all reports, Blackbeard was stabbed 25 times and was shot five times before he died. Wow. No, it keeps going. They cut off his head and hung it on the ranger's bowsprit. Then they tossed his body overboard, bringing an end to Blackbeard and an end to the Pirates of the Caribbean, at least symbolically at this point. Now, it's an end of an era. Yeah, it was. This whole time, it lasted about eh, about 18 months from when he first started in his piracy career That's to right interesting. now. I mean, it seems like it would be so much longer, but I guess not. Nope. No. Hmm. After the legends popped up almost immediately after his death, it is said that um, Blackbeard's headless body, after you know, after he was killed there, they threw his headless body into the water, and it swam around the ship two, <laughs> two to seven times before it, it swam like around chicken. the adventure. Before it's like a chicken. Two to seven times around the adventure before it sank. Was it the backstroke freestyle? What I are don't we talking know. here? Could have been the current, but <laughs> that's what the legend says. All right, then. Plenty, plenty of people saw it. The remainder of the crew that survived were taken prisoner and they were taken, they were found by Brand and they were taken to Bath. There they were taken to Williamsburg, Virginia, where they were jailed on charges of piracy. The men were tried in Williamsburg's Capitol building under Admiral, Admiral, Admiralty Law on the 12th of March, 1719. No records of the day of that, the proceedings that day remain, but 14 of the 16 accused were found guilty. Hmm. Of the two that were acquitted, one proved that he had only fought out of necessity. He claimed that he'd been on Blackbeard's ship only as a guest, as a, as a guest <laughs> at a drinking party the night before. What? And not as a pirate. Uh huh. Uh huh. Likely story. The other guy who was acquitted is a guy named Israel Hands, and he said, I was not present at the fight. He claimed that during a drinking session, Blackbeard had shot him in the knee, and he was still covered by royal pardon, whatever that means. <laughs> so if a pirate shoots you in the knee, you're covered by royal pardon? I, I guess. Yeah. As long as it was a, during a drinking game, it's fine. Hmm. 
The remaining pirates were hung and left to rot in gibbets along Williamsburg's capital of Landing Road, and for a long time after that, it was known as Gallows Road. Huh. And that's where they hung him. So, what happened to the treasure, if any? The only treasure ever recovered from Blackbeard's plundering was taken from a shipwreck that was thought to be the Queen Anne's Revenge, and that was found and discovered in 1996. Mm-hmm. As of 2009, more than 20, 250,000 artifacts had been recovered from the what is believed to be Queen Anne's Revenge. Hmm. And a lot of plunder, a lot of this... These artifacts are on public display at the North Carolina Maritime Museum. Cool. Let's go. I would like to. Now, there's a lot of superstitions and tales of Blackbeard's ghost, as you can imagine here, because sailors are generally known to be superstitious. Mm -hmm. Some people claim to see unexplained lights at sea, which are referred to as teaches light. Some claim that pirates now ro- that the pirate now roams the afterlife searching for his head for fear that his friends and the devil will not recognize him. Aww. Yeah. A Where North- is his head? I'm going to get to that. Okay. A North Carolina story says that Blackbeard's skull was coated in silver and used as a drinking chalice. Oh, well. Yeah. That escalated. Yeah, it did. And even a, a local judge claimed that in 1930 that he had drunk from Blackbeard's skull. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Not going to lie. I would definitely be super proud to have Blackbeard's drinking chalice skull. And so ends the legend and story of Blackbeard. Cool. 18 months of this going around, and we are still talking about Blackbeard today. That seems like such a short time. I always thought of Blackbeard as like a fearsome over, you know, 10, 15 years, not 18 months. No, it it was, it was short. That's his, really his, interesting. Yeah, his time frame, his span as a pirate was short. Now, he had a lot of time before that as a privateer. I mean, he sure. had history. Yeah. But just doing his piratey thing was approximately 18 months. Man, there's a lot of stuff I want to know about now. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a very interesting story about I feel like Blackbeard. we just scratched the surface. I don't know. I, I think we did enough research on this. We, we compiled, as, as I went through, I went through many, many different articles. And the, the way we do our research is we have to look at a lot of different articles. And obviously, when we're looking at something that far back in history, oh, yeah, it's there, there are well contradictions. Documented. So we kind of have to... I bet you there were so many good stories, though. Yeah, we, ha- we have to kind of take what we think is from this story and that story, match it together, and put together and piece together the best story that we can that we believe is historically accurate. I right. mean, I mean, if you're going to take this as 100%. Don't. It's probably 99% accurate, I would say. You think? I, no, yeah. I'm going to go for like 85. Yeah, 85%. But... I think that's as good as you're going to get because there's just not that much documentation. That's true. And there are certainly a lot more people who have put in a lot more research oh, to this yeah. than I have. All we do is we compile. Yeah, we don't actually to put research it anything. We just we don't research. We just compile the research. We compile the research. Yeah. And if you and we do credit everyone who does the research. So if you notice after if you if you stick around long enough and you listen to the music. We do cite all our sources of where we get our information from because, like I said, we're not very original about this. We just compile the information. Yep. So. Very interesting. Blackbeard and the Pirates. Yeah. So, Kim, what else is going on with us right now? Not a whole lot. Um, Yeah. Not not really anything. (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, like we're in, it's not not really yeah. much. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, it's uh, an hour of your life on Facebook and Instagram. It's at a lost hour on Twitter, which is also our email address, a lost hour at gmail.com. Yeah. So send us your thoughts, stories, show ideas. We're always open to those. We have many, I'll say several several to many listeners in Ireland. Mm -hmm. If you are in Ireland and you would like to 
be a part of the show, our, our special St. Patrick's Day show that we would like to do yeah, we as a really special edition or something like that, email us at gmail. Yeah, alosthour at gmail.com because we have a really cool idea for a St. Patrick's Day show, but it's going to take an Irish listener to help yeah, us we, out. Yeah, we, we'd like to do this across the ocean. So if you are listening to us in Ireland, please email us and uh, we can set something up through... You come on the show. Like, yeah, you, you'll, you'll be a part of the... You'll be a special guest on the show. Yep. All right, so I think that's it. All right, so Kim, from our studios... For, well, from the 13th Hour Studio in Beaver <laughs> Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. In addition to our in-show citations, sources for this week's episode include Encyclopedia Britannica, Cancun.com's article Pirate Show, Wikipedia's article Piracy, The Queen Anne's Revenge Project, the U.S. National Park Service, and David Yulian from Amherst College.